Hi, this is Frank Marino of Mahogany Rush. Listen to Interviewing the Legends with Ray Shasho on BBS Radio. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends, brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency, devoted to promoting musicians and authors worldwide. Call us today at 941-877-1552 to start your free publicity evaluation. Remember, we shine only when we make you shine. Please welcome the host of Interviewing the Legends, music journalist, author, and entrepreneur, Ray Shasho. Once again, everyone, I'm your host, Ray Shasha. Welcome to another edition of Interviewing the Legends on BBS Radio TV. Brought to you by the Rockstar Chronicle Series 1, my new book featuring over 45 intimate conversations with the greatest music legends the world will ever know. Available now at bookbaby.com and amazon.com. Frank Marino is an invigorating virtuoso champion guitar slinger who is also considered to be amongst the greatest players of all time. The Montreal native and his assiduous band, Mahogany Rush, were one of the elite monster rock acts through the 1970s. The band performed on several prestigious television music shows, including Don Kirshner's Rock Concert, Bert Sugarman's The Midnight Special, hosted by the notorious Wolfman Jack. Mahogany Rush also played for more than 300,000 people at California Jam 2 in 1978. A televised concert uh, featured Ted Nugent Aerosmith, Santana, Dave Mason, Foreigner Hart, Bob Welch with Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood, Frank Marino and Mahogany Rush, and Rubicon. Uh, Mahogany Rush was managed by the same uh, duo who also handled Aerosmith and Ted Nugent. Some of the band's most significant releases include Maxum, Child of the Novelty Strange Universe, Mahogany Rush 4, World Anthem, Live Tales of the Unexpected, What's Next, From the Hip, Dragonfly, The Best of Frank Marino, and Mahogany Rush, Eye of the Storm, and a real live, a double live album. Frank's latest venture is an epic six-hour live performance, now available and presented in an elegant box set, which includes both the Blu-ray and DVD formats in each box. The DVD is entitled Frank Marino Live at the Agora Theater, available now on Blu-ray, disc, and DVD. You can purchase that now at www.mahoganyrush.com. Please welcome monster guitarist, leader of Canadian hard rock band Mahogany Rush, often compared to Jimi Hendrix and described as one of the most underrated guitarists of the 1970s, Frank Marino, to interviewing the legends. Hello, Frank. Hey, how you doing, Ray? We're doing good, man. I got a feeling during the lockdown you've been tickering, tickering in uh, electronics and doing preamps and things like that. Is that true? Yeah, that's exactly true. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing is just, you know, making new pedals and 
my amps and, you know, doing stuff like that. I'm actually designing a whole bunch of new ones that I think I'm really thinking seriously of putting out for people to have. So we'll see what happens with that. Oh, I think that'll be great. You know, Frank Marino uh, signature, like, preamp or amp or... Well, there's, there's a preamp, there's an amp, there's right. all kinds of... There's the distortion pedals, there's, you know, uh, chorus pedals. There's all kinds the of stuff that I use. Everything I use, I, I do myself. So, you know, that that's what it would be. You know, how, how'd you learn to do that? I, I took a... Uh, electronics course because you know I, I studied broadcasting way back when and I had to get my uh, first second and third FCC license so you know I did a little bit of electronics but it was all on paper I knew theory I never did the actual work how, how did you learn how to do that well you learn I learned so I'm self-taught just like you I started reading you know because when I started doing it um, there, you could go to the store when I began doing this if you went to a Yeah. So I just, you know, just a little joke I make sometimes. 
I agree. I agree with you 100%. But, you know, electronics, though, you, you know, you, you can hurt yourself. <laughs> well, well no, you can with the tube amplifiers. Yeah. But, uh, and, and, you know, I don't really use a lot of tube amplifiers, although I do build them. But mm-hmm. uh, you can't really hurt yourself much with, with uh, solid-state uh, uh, devices, and especially not with pebbles, because they're running on 9-volt batteries. Right, that's uh, true. Yeah. But you respect, you, everybody's been bitten. You know, I got bitten, I got bitten with eight to 800 volts. Wow. You know? Wow. Everybody's had the bite. Yeah. But uh, you learn to respect it and, and be careful with it. Uh, the end result is you have, you have a sound that is pretty unique. You know, like, not anybody can just go to a store and buy the gear I have and sound like my amp. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I want to sort of see if I could put it up to the public. Yeah. I, I like the idea of sharing these ideas. Sure. You know, most people in our business, they keep secrets. You know, they got a secret pedal or they got a secret way of they're doing their strings or it's part of their secrets and they don't want to give them up. But I don't think that way. I think that, you know, <clears throat> th- these kind of things should be given to the young, to younger people to, to take it to the next level where, where we could not take it to. Well, you got a huge fan base. You got you got so many devoted fans. Even when you weren't doing music for a while, they all stuck with you, man. And you know, there's a lot of guitarists out there that would love to sound like Frank Marino. So that's that's a great thing what you're doing. You know, it's funny, Ray, when you when you break it down. When I actually sit, you know, you sit, have time like we just had to sit down and analyze everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you realize that over the years. You've gotten, let's say, I've gotten way more simple in terms of what I build, in right. terms of how I play. The, the better it sounds and the better you play, you find in, in the final analysis that you've become more direct and more simple. Mm-hmm. I'm actually using less effects. Yep. I'm playing slower. <laughs> you know, it's not always <laughs> at a billion miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, as you get older, and you get more, as I talked about experience, you realize that it starts to be better when you become a little simpler. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I if I could go back in a time machine to the you know to when this all started, I'd probably go back with the knowledge I have now and and, and go on a much simpler path than I had gone on. Yeah. Well, I tell you, man, you're you're an incredible guitar player. I want to first say congratulations. On the DVD, you worked so hard on this. Many years, you got you got the shoulder problems from it. Uh, you went through hell with it, but the the, the the product came out, you know, exquisite. It's it's a it's a beautiful video, uh, six hours of it, and uh, and and I you I, I guess you kind of cut it down because it could have been a lot longer, right? Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> almost twelve hours. Jeez, <laughs> wow. <laughs> But it had to be. Uh, it had to be down to the six hours, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I listen. I'm I'm really you know happy with it. I think it turned out really good. Um, I I know it took a long time to do it, uh, probably a lot longer than I I should have. But um, you know, at the end, the end is that it really is something that to me. I, I don't really like my albums. You know, once I finish them, I don't ever hear them again. <laughs> yeah. But with this DVD, I'm actually I'm actually happy to see it when I see it. I'm actually I actually think it's good, and it's funny because they had to drag me kicking and screaming to do a DVD because I didn't right. believe in them. Right. You know. So 
funny how things turn out. You know, everything's always backwards. And and it's it's sold it's selling more than you you kind of thought, I guess, right? I, I know. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, every listen. I don't even get involved in that at this point. It's it's like, you know, I I turned it over uh, and just said, uh, you know, to the family, look, I I owe you ten years of uh, right. credit, uh, and I've got to pay it back. You know, nothing's free. So it's not like I'm making <laughs> tons of money off it. Believe yeah. me, I'm not. It's just, my life is no different. Right. Uh, but uh, but you know what? You you get you know you have to pay back what you spent. So yep. you know it took me long enough to do it. And now I got to pay the bill. Now, didn't you give up a lot of your royalties a long time ago? And and kind of yeah, that was a big mistake. Yeah, you know, like when I was young. Right. And so one of the problems with this particular. Uh, DVD performance is that um, the law says that if you cover a tune uh, on a record, mm -hmm. you don't really need permission if the tune has been publicly released before. What you need to do is you need to remit a certain amount of cents per record to whoever the original mm -hmm. song person was. You know, okay. right. that's the law. But in video, there is no law. Oh, good. There's no statute. Good, good. And so when you marry music to picture, there's a thing called sync rights. And so when you want to put a piece of music to any kind of moving picture, or even a photograph that's on a video format, hmm. you have to get the rights from the original holder, and they can charge whatever they like. There's no stat, you know, standard rate. Yeah. So they could tell you, no, you can't do it, or they could tell you, yeah, you can do it, and we want a million dollars, right, you know? Right, Because there's no real law that says, okay, you only owe so many pennies, with, like there is with music. So the problem really came when I went to, uh, you know, to include a lot of the songs on this DVD, 57 songs, mm -hmm. and many of them are from my earlier albums. And those earlier albums were albums that I had foolishly signed away my rights to my songs. And so I had to go get permission really? to use my own songs. And the only other alternative was don't include the songs. Now I can't, you know, there's so many Mahogany Rush tunes that mm -hmm. people know if they weren't on this DVD, what would be the point? Mm -hmm. You know, so I had to ask permission and get permission. That took time and I have to pay for it. And uh, and then well, I do some Hendrix material, I have to ask permission for that, and I have to pay for it. And I do a couple of other tunes at Crossroads, and She's Not There by the Zombie. Right. And uh, so I have to get permission for those things, too. So it took time. Even once I had finished the actual work on the product, I kept you know going back to the people who owned the songs, and they'd say, well, no, and then they'd say, well, yes, and then you know finally we made... We made a deal that uh, that everyone was comfortable with, and uh, I, I, you know, I included the stuff. Yeah. And I'm glad I did wait because it would have been awful if I had put up the DVD just to save some time, you know, but not include those songs. So I'm, I'm I'm glad we did that, and I'm just telling a lot of kids today they're much wiser than we were yeah. in the early '70s. Right. They don't give away their rights as easily today as we did. Yeah. You know. Nowadays, I've noticed that the, the labels and the record labels that are signing bands, they're not even asking for those publishing rights. They're asking for their merchandise. Mm. And I would caution these uh, these young people in groups to not give that away. 
There, one of my favorite songs that you do is Land of a Thousand Nights. I, I didn't know that that wasn't on the DVD, correct? No, it should have been. It was on the list. Right. To be done that day. Don't forget, this was done all in one day. Right. Oh, well, one night before, there was seven hours sound check with oh the crowd. Oh, gosh. That's not included on this. And then the next day was a 12-hour recording day. Uh-huh. All the stuff was done in one day. And Land of the Thousand Nights was on the list to be done. Mm-hmm. But some of the jams went on so long on some of these tracks right. that we just never had enough time to do it. Yeah. We took two short breaks in the day, and I hadn't slept the night before, so during those breaks I was really kind of buzzed, you know, like I just had to rest a little bit, because I hadn't slept in 24 hours. Jeez. So, you know, we didn't get back early enough to include a couple of the tunes that were supposed to be there, and one of them was Land of a Thousand Nights, another one was uh, Tales of the Spanish Warrior. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all slated to be done, but they just... Just, we just ran out of time. We ran out of racetrack. <laughs> so, you know, they didn't get done. <laughs> well, you got six hours of the best renditions of the songs, you know, you, anybody will ever hear. High def, excellent sound quality. Uh, it, you know, it, it's, an, it's an amazing set. It really is. And there's also a, um, a book, booklet or something in, in there as well, right? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an actual book, right. you know, like... A, uh, a, a guy wrote half the book and I wrote the second half of the book so the first half of the book is, um, is uh, written by Ryan Sparks and it's like the kind of the historical story of me you know like right. you know I've told like from a journalist perspective um, in the third person and whatever mm-hmm. and then the second half of the book the second 90 pages or 100 pages is my story, me talking about the making of this and the years that led up to it right? and what we went through, you know, doing it and, and why it happened. It's a personal sort of approach. So it's, it's nice and there's a lot of really cool pictures. I don't know how they found so many pictures that I had forgotten existed, but <laughs> there's some pretty cool pictures. Well, I think you mentioned that you liked the way Martin uh, Scorsese did uh, the last last waltz with the band, and that you were trying to get that well, kind of yeah. Like I had said to the director, Chris Hilson was the director that did this, and mm-hmm. he came from England, and he had been a big fan of the band, you know, because this guy Ray Daniel made him uh, made him. Uh, I'm not Ray Daniel. So I'm mixing up names with musicians. Daniel who was the guy that produced the whole thing, he brought Chris and he brought uh, the lighting director, Cosmo Wilson, uh, which did a lot of work for ACDC. Right. Um, And basically I said to him, look, you know, one of the things, the pet peeves I have with DVDs is I find that when bands do them, they often focus too much on crowd shots and cheering and moving the camera every 10 seconds and 10 minutes, you know, like every two minutes, it's exactly. like move, 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 zoom, zoom, move. Yeah. I really don't like that. Yep. So I said, you know, uh, Martin Scorsese had done a really great film for the band, for Robbie Robertson and the band mm-hmm. called The Last Waltz. Right. And if you've seen The Last Waltz, it really, really, it's mostly like you're on the stage with the band. There's very, very little 
fanfare shots. Mm-hmm. And you're, it's just about the music and you're sort of really close up with the group as right. if you're there. So I said to, to Chris, could you just keep it as much as possible to that? You know, try not to do too many fancy moves. And he did a great job, but when I got home, I was fixing the problem, you know, the electronics problem with the drums, but right. I also noticed that, yes, yeah, some of the shots, you know, because we jam, <laughs> we, we just I suddenly start singing or whatever. He didn't, he couldn't really know that. So I took his his cuts and basically laid them all out again and moved some of the borders, you know, so that they were a little bit more timed with the music. Mm-hmm. So now it works pretty well. So I sort of reproduced what he produced live in the shot, and um, and the result is a is a is a piece that you can watch and doesn't tend to make you uh, feel like you you want to look away, you know, which I get when there's too much movement on a camera. Uh, you want a Frank Marino live experience, and you know you, you play better live. I mean, your studio work is incredible too, but you know you want to see Frank Marino live, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what well, it's well, all the about. Reason, the reason that happens. I've analyzed that. I, I know that was true. I never really understood myself why that was and everyone liked the live more. Uh, I found out why. I figured out why and, and it's because look, when we do a record, the inspiration for the track right. all comes at the one time you do it. Like, okay, here's the track, here's what's gonna be and then it gets recorded. Right. When you're playing live, the inspiration is being created as you go. Sure. At least in my band, anyway. Sure. Uh, so you're you're really on a constant. You're constantly inventing every solo, every jam session, every stop, everything. So the thing people watch that or see the band live, not just this band, but any band, and they get pulled into it like a participant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They're sort of along for the ride. Exactly. You know. Yep. It's like watching a Formula One racer when you got the camera in his car. You know, you're sort of along for the ride, <laughs> and it's it's more interesting, I think, uh, to see anyone live like that, provided it's the type of band that isn't scripted. Right. Right. When it's scripted, then it's probably that the records, that the studio records, are better than the live. Frank, but, Frank, I, I just, I just bought a, I just, thing as you go. Yeah, I, that's why it's better. I, I just bought a 75-inch Sony TV. You know, it's up on my wall, and I'm watching your show. You know, I'm watching the uh, the video, and it's like, you know, I don't have to go anywhere. It, it, I got Frank Marino in my living room, man. <laughs> yeah, well, the one thing I was very proud of with this DVD. You know, I've always been the producer of my own album right, from right. the beginning. Yep. And and I'm also an engineer. So sure. the one thing that I was really proud of was that I approached the audio of this in a, in a very different way than I've approached the audio on all the records I've produced, not just for me, but even for others. <clears throat> and I'm really happy with the way that turned out. I think the audio That's on the DVD far surpasses the audio production on anything else I've done. It's incredible. In terms of the, the sound of yep. the instruments, the sound of the group, the the ability to hear everything, the voices, the guitar, the rhythms, the bass, the drums. It's way, way clearer, and it's much more pleasing <laughs> to the ear. It's more dynamic. So I'm very happy with the way that turned out, and I think if I do any albums from here on in, 
I will be approaching the audio the same way I did with the speech. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you did, uh, you, you said you had about seven hours of sound check where you were playing yep. Beatles and fooling around with the people and stuff like that. You got to release that, man. I'd love to see that. <laughs> yeah, everyone says I should, um, <laughs> but I'm going to have to wait and see if, um, if I've got another year or two to put that together. <laughs> I mean, you know, I still have to, there's some fixing to do on that too, you know? Yeah, that's true. But uh, yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe one day it'll come out, maybe it won't. Um, right now, you know, people are talking to me about touring in September and October. Right. Um, I'm sort of trying to get ready for that. Yep. Um, you know, I hope it happens. Uh, they tell me it'll happen. If they tell me I can't go, I can't go, you know? I think it's going to happen. But, uh, I think it's going to happen. Uh, I've got the well, tour. You no, know, I think it will too. I mean, yeah. I have to, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, very positively, but, uh, you know, <clears throat> we'll see. You know, I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to be, uh, I don't like to plan anything, right. really, uh, right. because um, I, I kind of think, I don't know, maybe call me superstitious, you know, I think when you plan things, they go wrong. Mm -hmm. So, I just don't like to plan anything, I don't like to say, this will be, because mm -hmm. uh, in my life, it's always been that when I've said something like that, it turned around and bit me. Yeah. So, you know what? We hope for the best. They they tell me it'll be happening, and and I'll be there if it's happening. Yeah, I've got the tour schedule uh, in front of me. I don't see Florida though. Well, you know it's funny that you're saying Florida because I'm really thinking of moving to America. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. Really? And, um, Is Florida one of your choices? Florida, Florida's one of the places I'm thinking of moving well, to. I think it'd be a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, listen. I really do want to. I, I want to. I want to move to America, right? Um, and live there. I'd like to become an American. Um, I don't know how much time that takes, and if it'll even be allowed. You know? Oh, I think so. But uh, yeah. but that's something I'm seriously thinking of, uh, very seriously, to the point where I'm talking to people about it, the right people. That'll be great. I mean, um, I, we in in my little we'll circle. See. My little circle here, we got Rick Derringer. He lives about uh, 10 minutes from me. Uh, Brian Johnson lives about 15 minutes from me. Well, where uh, are you? I, I'm in the Sarasota area, Sarasota and Bradenton. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a nice area. Yeah. So we... Yeah, well, let me we, ask you something uh -huh. about that. Do you guys have basements? No, no basements. Yeah, see, that's a little bit of a drag for me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because, <laughs> you know, I have a studio i got to build. Right. In the basement. You yeah, know? that's the only problem. Yeah. Unless you built a separate house or something, you know, like a, you can do that on the property, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like Florida because I like what DeSantis is doing. I'm right. Very, you know, I support him. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that he kept the place open and didn't kowtow to all the crazy people on it, the other side. There. Exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, I'm... Uh, what do you want me to say? You know, I I believe in freedom. Yep. And uh, that's why I want to I want to move there. You know, I I seriously believe in freedom. Like yep. really, like more than anything. And I think that right now people are giving that away, and they don't have to. All they have to do is say no. But they're giving it away. They're giving away the freedom. And I'm not that kind of guy. I think me, me, you, and Mark Farner. I had Mark, Mark on the uh, show recently, and I think we're all on the same I'm page. Also, and Mark is also, as far as I know, I don't know if it's still 
through. But I know Mark was was a religious guy, Christian, and I yes, am too. He is very much so. Yeah, as is Rick, by the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you mentioned it, Derringer also. Uh, but uh, but I've been that forever, like yeah. since you know all the way through the seventies. It was a little tough to to be that during the seventies because everyone thought it was a John Boy Walton, you know. But uh, but yeah, I I I like that kind of life. I like that. I like a state that likes that kind of thing. Um, and um, I'm not ashamed of it, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not ashamed to say it. So maybe that's the maybe Sarasota is the place to go. I don't know. It's a great place, man. I'll I'll, I'll help yeah, you, you move. Tell me. I mean, yeah. you, you live there. You tell me. I love it. We we just moved. We went from a house into a uh, resort apartment. And it feels like you're on vacation every day. I mean, we have like a two-story gym, beautiful pool, a movie theater downstairs. I mean, we're loving life right now. (laughs) Well, where we live here, governments have way too much sway over people. Right. And I'm not even going to say power because power is something you give people. Right. But, you know, we're in lockdowns. Yep. We've got curfews. You still got that? Oh, it's insane. Oh, my god! I mean, this place is the only place in the Western Hemisphere. That's crazy. That's putting people under curfew. Oh, my gosh. I, I, and there's I didn't no know reason that. to do it. Not as if millions that. are getting sick. They're not. Huh. The government is just exercising this authoritativeness. You know, like I say, you know, Canada is a little bit of a socialist country. Right. And inside every socialist is a totalitarian just screaming to get out. Yep. You know, and as soon as they get the chance, they try stuff like that. So this is what's made me really sour on staying here. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be a place a long time ago that didn't do this. <clears throat> but now that they're doing this and the people are actually agreeing with it and going along with it, where they really don't have to, but they think they do, Yeah. It, I think it's time to, uh, you know, Yeah, you, Canada was I, yeah. I can't influence the world. Yep. And I don't think anyone ever should. You know, no one can save the world. But I can certainly vote with my feet mm-hmm. and move to an area that I'm comfortable in because I'm 66 years old and right. the best who knows how many years I have left. And I don't want to live them under the heel of a jackboot. Right. Like we have to do here. Well, you know, Florida, Florida's a red state, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know which side you go on, but, you know. I'm, I'm a red state guy. I, so am I, and I'm, I'm proud of it. And I'm All the way. I'm tired of people telling 100%. me I'm wrong. <laughs> more, even more than 100%. Yeah, me too. You know, and, like, uh, people don't know that. They think, oh, my God, we thought this guy was like a hippie or something, and I was. Yeah. And I am. Yeah, we go through that phase. What people don't understand is my thoughts today. Right haven't changed since 1970, 69. Right. Society's changed. It has. And it looks at the way I think today as mm-hmm. being somewhat right of center. Right. But that's not true. It's just that they've moved so far the other way, it looks right. But everything I speak about today, all the freedom, the freedom of decision and speech and all those things I believe in, that's what we fought for in 69 and 70. Yep. That's what it was. We yeah. weren't considered right-wing when we said those things. Right. And now if we say it, we're considered right-wing. Yep. That's ridiculous. It's amazing, isn't it, how things have changed? No, America was based on freedom. Yeah. That's, that's what makes America different mm-hmm. than any other country in the world. That's right. I agree. any other system. 
freedom in the world. Yes, they say, people say they're just as free in other countries, England or any of the Western democracies, but it's not true. They don't, none of those places have a constitution like America has that actually guarantees that. Right. They have, like Canada, a constitution that tells you you have that unless the government decides to say you don't. Right. Under some, you know, weird law. So, America is America because of the freedom. That is what America is. I'm with you, brother. It's not about the business. I'm with you, man. It's not about the weather. It's not about the football or any of the other things. Yeah. That's part of it. That's, the, you know, that's what ha you have in America. But America is America mm -hmm. because of the freedom that's enshrined in the Constitution that you're born with, uh, that freedom. Yeah. Nobody gives it to you. And they want to change the Constitution. No government gives it to you. Yeah. Governments work for you. Mm -hmm. You don't elect people to give you things. You elect people to, to protect the things you yeah. have. And that's why they take that oath to protect that constitution, but unfortunately they don't. Yeah. So when you get the odd guy in the odd state that does live up to that, that's where I want to live. Yeah. That's it. That's the guy that I believe is doing the right thing. That's where we are right now, as long as it stays that's that right. way. <laughs> and you know what? That same state wasn't doing that uh, 10 years ago right. because other people were running things. That's true. And uh, I think Americans, there's a large, large silent majority, I think, that at one point is going to just say, you know what, enough of this. Yeah. Enough of this. Taking, living in government to take away what people have. As, you know, you can, nobody can take a right away from you, but you can give it away. Right. And they know that. So they trick you into giving it away by making you afraid or telling you it's for the common good or shaming you into doing it. Then they can say, ha, 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 we never took it away. You gave it to us. <clears throat> I, think, I think people should just say no. Yeah, I agree. Just say no. No, thank you. They don't thank want you very much. No. Yeah. You know, nope. they, they don't want trouble. That's where I come down on this. And if, if that sounds, <clears throat> if people say, how could this guy who, you know, has the long hair and, you know, mm -hmm. all that looks like the part of a 60s hippie. How could he talk like that? I invite them to come and meet some of every 60s hippie I ever hung around yeah. with because we all talk that way. Right. You know, I hate yeah. that I hate that uh, concept that if you love rock and roll and music, you're a liberal. You know, that's bullshit. You know, and, and it's ridiculous. Well, they, they basically the liberals have appropriated us. Right. They've made it look that way. Remember, <clears throat> everything is simply perception, right? I mean, we all know what we think. Right. We all, we all, we know what we think. Yeah. But then, if they can have a loud voice and make people perceive that it's the other way, fine. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they're a bunch of communists. Yeah. And I'm not a communist. There'll never be one. Two guys I can't stand. I mean, I hate Bruce Springsteen. I'll never interview oh, yeah. that guy. Forget it. These are sellouts. He's a jerk okay? off. These are people that, <laughs> seriously, Bruce Springsteen, great example. Are we really supposed to believe that, you know, he's got the blue collar and has the, goes to the 7-Eleven exactly. and the 57 Chevy? Exactly. From his mansion? Yeah, exactly. Really? Are we supposed to buy into that nonsense? <laughs> That's total nonsense. I cannot stand him. You know, that's like saying that Oprah's a person of the people. Right. Person of the people.
people. I'm surprised if those people ever eat a hot dog. They think it's like eating a cat. Springsteen's overrated anyway. I never liked his music. You know that? No, but you know what I'm saying. It's not yeah. whether it's blues or it's what happens when anybody or mostly anybody, we'll say anybody, because there are exceptions. Right. But when you give a lot of money and power and status and prestige to a human being, they very quickly forget whatever roots they had. Sure. They do. Yeah. I agree. Now, whether that's a bad thing or a good thing, I that's, you know, you can argue over that. But it's a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's what happens. I agree. It's describing what happens. If I throw a rock off a roof and I say it falls to the ground, I'm simply describing what happens. Yeah. Or a rock when you let it go. And when you give this kind of prestige and accolades and, you know, worship to human beings and, and, and give them a lot of money too, it's very quickly that they forget whatever roots they had if they struggled. That's right. And very soon, <clears throat> when they hear of a person who was a friend of theirs who maybe didn't do so well or maybe he fell by the wayside and he became a junkie or he became some kind of guy like that that you want to avoid, they avoid him. Mm -hmm. They right. say, tell him I'm not here. Right. You're right. And, and, and they and they they cover it up by pretending that oh well that guy went bad you know he, he something happened to him he lost his mind and, exactly you know, but really what it is is they lost their humanity that's the liberal mentality you just you just yeah. mentioned it right there in other that's words it. they will fight yeah tooth and nail yep defend your right to say and do what you want as long as it agrees with them <laughs> exactly hundred percent a hundred percent. <laughs> but I'm a person who believes that it's the speech that we don't want to hear that requires protection. Sure. It's the thoughts that we don't want to think right. that require protection. Yep. Because that is freedom. Freedom is the ability to be who you were born to be. Mm-hmm. And to be able to say it without penalty. Yep. Not feeling like you have to subscribe to a set of beliefs and ideals. When we when we were hippies in the late sixties and seventies, mm -hmm. the thing we hated most of all was conformity. Exactly. Yeah. We were called nonconformists. Of course. That's a word. You look yeah. it up. And we were called anti-establishment. Exactly. Look that up. Yep. That's what we were. That's what we, we were. We were anti-corporate. Yep. We were anti-establishment. We were, quote, non-conformist. That was the word. Mm -hmm. There was even songs about, you know, making fun of people who all lived in boxes and all lived like ticky-tacky and they all looked just the same. Exactly. There was a hit song like that. Yep. I don't remember who did it. Yep. Okay, so that's what we were, and that's what we still are. Mm -hmm. But these people, these the liberals on the left today, think that you have to conform to their view, and yep. if you don't, oh, you're a heretic. Exactly. Because what they've become is a cult. Yeah. A religious cult. It's the religion for them, and if you disagree with even a word of it, then you're a heretic. Yeah. You don't follow. You know. Exactly right. They act like good Germans. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Gestapo. <laughs> they like to scream that 
people on, on our type of thinking are fascists. Yeah. They don't even know what fascists were. They think that a guy who's a bad guy, who's a racist, or maybe he beats people up, they think that's a fascist. That's not a fascist. Yeah. A fascist is a corporate show. Mm-hmm. Fascism was where corporations run a government with the help and the power of the government. That's fascism under Mussolini. Yeah. Actually, if you look up what fascism is, it's that. Yeah. And what's running the world today? Corporations. Yeah, that's right. I was a mom-and-pop store. So, yeah. so what I'm trying to say is, are we free or are we not free? If we're not, okay, tell us. Tell us. Mm-hmm. But don't tell us we're free and then act like we're not. Right. If the rules are that we're not free, then let us know. Right. Maybe we can check out or go to Mars or something. <laughs> I'll be the first one to but go. But as long as we're told that we're born free right. and we have the right to be free, the religion we love mm-hmm. and everything else that we love to be free about. If you tell me that's what the world is supposed to be, I'm going to act as if it's that. And when I act as if it's that, don't turn around and try to use shame tactics and screaming and yelling and pounding their chairs to try to shame me into shutting up. Because mm-hmm. that's what they do. Empty barrels make the most noise. That's right. You know, God put us on this planet. There was no rules. You know, we had we Look, we, we had freedom. Be, listen to me. The universe is founded on principles. Mm-hmm. Principles of motion. Principles of physics. <clears throat> what most people don't really realize in their daily lives is that the very simple universal principles that apply to physical objects such as planets mm-hmm. and rocks apply in other ways in smaller ways. There's not a million different laws. There's a very small set of laws. We call them laws because it's simply that's what happens. You know? I mean, a right triangle has a mathematical equation that's absolutely true, whether you're dead or alive. Right. The multiplication table is objectively true. It doesn't require you to agree with it to be true. The same with the ratio of a circle. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But in when it comes to the basic fundamentals 
fundamental rules of who a person is, their belief systems, their innate, inherent rights, their right to breathe, to live, to think, to be, these are not things somebody gives you. These are, neither government nor man gives you this. You're born with it. Something mm-hmm. God gives it to you because you believe in, if you believe in God, that's what you say. Exactly. But even if you don't believe in a God, you're born with those rights. Sure. Your right to think, your right to live, your right to breathe, okay. your right to be who you are. Yep. That's inherent. Yep. So how can anyone take away what you already own? Right. Unless you give it away. So they trick you into yep. giving it away by using fear or whatever, telling you they have a good reason, mm-hmm. or shaming you, so that you give it to them. And then they can say, I never took it from me, you yeah. gave it to me. Exactly. That's what Cuba, that's what Castro did in Cuba. Yep. And then they found out he put a prison around them. Yep. That's what Stalin did. Same thing. That's exactly that's what happened in Venezuela. Anywhere where you see this happening, with Soviet Union, just look at the history. That's always how it happens. They come, they sell you a bill of goods, tell you they're going to give you universal basic income, and they give you three hots and a cot, and you're going to be so happy. Yep. But what they're really doing is they're recreating the slave mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Slaves had three meals and a roof. Yeah, turning us, free. turning us into sheep. Prisoners <laughs> have three meals and a roof. Yeah. But they're not free. Right. Exactly but right. Just because the government tells you they're going to do everything in their power to give you three meals and a roof at the cost of your freedom? Fra- Frank, we need and you to... Franklin said... Yep. Whoever trades freedom for security deserves neither. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. That's where I come down on this. But I know it sounds it sounds almost radically right wing. It's but just the truth. Back and listen to any of the hippie leaders yeah. of the '60s. Right. And what I'm telling you is exactly what we were saying mm-hmm. back then. So how could it be right wing? Yeah. Another another two guys. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and spill my guts today. David Crosby and Stephen Stills. Two two another two guys I can't stand. That they're they're so stupid when it comes to their politically political uh, uh, insights. It's ridiculous. Well, look, a lot of these people have been have been shamed. They're afraid of the shame. Yeah. You see, I have an advantage. Nobody can cancel me. Mm-hmm. I don't get ashamed. They can tell me all they want, cancel culture, no one will buy my records. Who cares? Mm-hmm. I don't care. If no one buys my records or buys a ticket to see me or I never do another gig, I don't care. Right. I really don't care. So they can't. <laughs> it's not like I'm saying I don't care. Yep. It doesn't bother me. Yep. I'm not saying I, I don't care in the way like, ha, 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 I'm above all of it. I actually, it just never enters my mind. I don't care. Yeah. So what are they going to say to me? <laughs> but these other guys, oh, they've got things to lose. Exactly. Exactly. They've got things to lose. So they better right. toe the line. They better, exactly. they better listen to the cult. Exactly They're like right. Scientologists. They better listen to the cult. Exactly right. The cult right. of wokeness. They better all listen to this. See, what I'm saying to you here. You'd never expect, people never expect me to be saying that if they see me playing guitar and they mm-hmm. listen to the kind of music I do. Right. They think I'd be doing, you know, the David Crosby thing. Yeah. But I don't care. 
here in this in the United States man you need to move <laughs> Continuing with your theology studies, have you yes, learned any, of course. Have you learned anything new or, or different over the last uh, year Listen, or so? The more I learn, the less I know, but I know two things for sure. Right. Two things for sure. Are you ready? Okay. One, 
There is a God. Two, I'm not him. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, huh? <laughs> That's two things for sure. <laughs> oh, gosh. And so, if I need things that only a God can do, right. I better not look to myself to do them. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> if the world needs saving, yeah. I better not look to myself to do it. <laughs> but I, I, here's what I need to save. I need to save my my surroundings. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to clean my house. Right. I need my house to be clean. Somebody told me the king is coming to visit. Oh, right. And I'm going to make a room for him. Mm-hmm. I don't want him to put the guy in a, in a dirty room. <laughs> you know? Otherwise, he's going to go someone else's house. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the way I, yeah. I look at it. Mm -hmm. And theology, all, everything I've learned in my theology studies for 40 years now. 40 years, wow. Um, has brought me to the simplicity of it's all just talk. Mm -hmm. When we talk about what the theology is, it addresses the it addresses the the issues in a kind of an analytical way, but that's not what Christianity is not an anal an analytical religion. In fact, it's not a religion. Right. There's there's a there's religion and there's Christ. Mm -hmm. I need Christ in my life. I don't need religion in my life, and that's what everyone needs. Yeah. So when I break it down to the most simple, there is a God and I'm not him. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to understand the kind of things it would take a God to do. Yeah. And therefore, why would I do them? Right. Well, why would I think I can do them or we can do them? We can't save the world. Do you yeah. realize that if we could save the world, we'd be going against the very prophecies that said we won't save yeah. the world until he does? Yeah, that's true. That's actually Christian and and understands Christianity at least in a in a analytical sense would understand that. Mm -hmm. But the real proper, let's say, Christians, if you want to say there's such a thing as a proper one, it's the children, mm -hmm. and they don't read, yeah, and they don't understand great things. But that's really what you need to be. Yeah, I agree. You can be smart in your mind about about about. Smart things, mm -hmm. but when it comes to to your soul, you need to be simple. Yep. You need to be innocent. And and if it took knowledge, if being saved took knowledge, and people say, "Oh, you need to know the scriptures, and you need to have knowledge." If that's what it took, and we believe that, then it would mean that every child would not be saved. Yep. And every blind man wouldn't, and every deaf man wouldn't, and every person who's got a low IQ wouldn't. Yeah. We're basically condemning anybody that can't read and write mm -hmm. and understand what they're reading and writing. We're basically saying they're condemned, and that's bullshit. Yeah. You know? They invent stuff like that. They invent The devil invents those things so that we'll get sure. on track. Sure. You know what's a great one the devil invented? It's been, it's been a common statement for years and years and years, decades, if not centuries. Mm -hmm. You ever heard this one? The Lord helps those who help themselves. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's not in the Bible. It's not. You're right. You're 100% right. You know what the Bible right. actually says? The 
Lord helps the helpless. Right. You're right. Not those who help themselves. You're 100% There's right. There's nothing about the Lord helps those who help themselves. The True. Bible actually says the opposite. It the does. Lord helps the helpless. Yeah. Which means he doesn't help those who help themselves. You're right. So, if he helps the helpless, why are, why are people trying to make us think we need to help ourselves? I don't know. That's another way of making people believe they are God. Yeah. Yeah, you're not God. You you mentioned you know people thinking you're a hippie and then uh, they have this you know badass thing and you know I'm telling you man there's so many legendary rockers I mean Alice Cooper he's a Christian Ozzy Osbourne yeah. is a Christian all his music all the Black Sabbath music it's not about the devil it's the opposite <laughs> and he said that probably yeah but I will say I will take issue in one way with myself right first. Myself first, and by definition, Ozzy and Alice and whatever, okay? Right. I understand the logic that Alice might say, mm -hmm. okay? Hey, I'm playing a character. Yeah. Um, what, what if I was playing, you know, Pilate? Right. You'd allow that? Right. What if I was playing the Sanhedrin who crucified Jesus? Mm -hmm. That you'd think would be okay. So let me play, so I'm playing a bad character. I get his logic. I said the same thing myself about myself. Right. Okay, and I get what Ozzy's doing too. Right. But what we don't seem to understand when we make that, quote, excuse, and it is, and I'll let, I'll let us off for that too. I'm not saying stop it. I'm saying, well, okay, it's one of the weaknesses we have. But what he doesn't seem to understand is that the other people don't know you're playing a character. Yeah, I know. The other people don't know you're yeah. not really mocking. You're not mocking God. You're mocking Satan. They don't know that. It looks like you're doing the other thing. When people put the bullshit sign over their head, which is devil horns, at your concerts... It's not devil they horns. They mean it totally differently. It's not devil horns. Uh, Dio even said it. It was not. It's like uh, what did he say? It was like um, you know, somebody's putting a jinx on you. That's to avoid yeah. avoid that. But, but what I, that's what my point is. Yeah. My point is, we are in fact responsible for the perception right. that we let happen. Exactly. Yep. Remember the statement. All that is necessary for evil to prosper is that good men do nothing. Mm -hmm. That is a true. That's a very true statement. I don't remember who said it. Some right. man, maybe Norman Vincent Peale. But if we if we make ourselves feel better about what we do, because we mean it a different way, and screw them if they don't get it, mm -hmm. the result is still wrong. Yeah. So we, there's a certain amount of responsibility. I will talk to anybody at any time as loudly as I can about my belief sure. in Christ. Sure. I don't hide it. Right. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. Of course not. And if somebody cancels me, I'm only too happy because mm -hmm. it means it's a good thing for yeah. me. Yeah. You know? But some of the other guys, they'll talk. Alice will talk for sure. I've seen him do it. He's mm -hmm. great. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic, actually. And he comes from a family of preachers. Yes, he does. Fathers, grandfathers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And he's a good guy. Yep. But we also need to understand, if I'm going to do songs like Juggernaut, yeah, I'm talking about 
all the bad people in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the bad situations in the world. Right. Superpowers playing chess along a board with people as pieces, taking human life like they're only sacrificing a pawn. These are some of the words to my song, right? right? right. They're protest songs against world-style, you know, bad government, mm-hmm. bad politics. And it sounds really cool. But the truth of the matter is, we're spending five whole minutes talking about how bad things are. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something. What kind of a genius does it take to point out that things are bad? (laughs) Really? Yeah. So the real trick should be, here's a song, and here's the solution to a problem. There, There you go. There you go. I don't have to describe the problem. Yep. I can write I can write a paragraph in a novel that describes tenements with twisting staircases and broken cement and garbage cans outside and fire hydrants on the corner. I'm describing mm-hmm. it. Or I can say a ghetto. Yep. And let the reader imagine sure. the rest. Sure. So if I provide a solution for many problems. I don't have to describe what problems they're for. Right. The reader will understand what that cures. Right. So we should be doing that. Yep, I agree. We write songs about anything more than nothing, which is okay to write songs about nothing, to write songs about, you know, to take the Seinfeld approach, <laughs> you know, to write songs about going down the street or playing your guitar yeah. or liking a girl in high school. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's really good, actually. It makes you less self-important. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to take the time to write songs about what we think are important issues, we really shouldn't be talking about how bad things are. Exactly. Because it doesn't take a genius to do that. Exactly. We should come up with a solution for You're each right. bad thing we think we were going to write about you and write right. about the solution. Yep. I agree, man. Now, for me, the solution is Christ. Yep. I agree. I want to get my songs would be about that. I want to get back to a little bit of... You know who understood that? Yeah. Yeah. Gospel singers. Yeah. Gospel oh, yeah. writers. Because their lives were pretty bad. You know, the Christian rock thing is pretty good. You, you know who did a good, a really good Christian rock album was Lou Graham. Okay, but let me ask you a question. Uh-huh. I have a problem with this. Okay. Why do we need to hyphenate it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Christian rock. Yeah, you're right. Oh, now we've hyphenated it. Mm-hmm. And people know what to stay away from. <laughs> they don't like Christianity. I agree with you. Yeah, that's true. Well, now they're starting another exclusive club. Yeah, you're right about that. Don't you see the danger? Everybody that moves in one direction like a herd. Right. And then if you don't, if I go into the Christian rock scene, me, Frank Marino. Right. Even though I'm completely a follower of Christ in every way, shape, or form, and I have been for 40 years, 50 years almost. They wouldn't let me in. Yeah, I agree. Because of some of my views. Yeah, that's true. They wouldn't. Yep. Because I don't, you know, I'm not Ned Flanders. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly They're right. not necessarily walking around saying joy to you, brother. Exactly right. Yep. So there's a danger in going into any kind of hyphenated situation. I know in Canada we live in a hyphenated country. Mm-hmm. You're French-Canadian, English-Canadian, Chinese-Canadian. Everybody's hyphenated here. Everything's hyphenated. Language is hyphenated. Who you are is hyphenated. I live in that. It's horrible. So, 
when we start to do it in music, oh, Christian rock. Yeah. Well, what does that do? Yeah. Listen, it denigrates Christianity to call it Christian rock. Yeah, right. The, the only good thing I can see about it is a lot of it's people... rock. A lot of people... Uh, thing about those things. Well, it doesn't have to be Christian rock. Well, a lot of people associate, you know, the, the Christian music with gospel and, and that type of thing, and they may think, well, this is something different, you know what I mean? It's it's something I can identify with more than listening to the traditional gospel type songs. That's that's the only oh, reason I, I can say it. And yeah. it, gives them, it gives them the chance to go out there, but here's the point. Uh -huh. it, the Bible is called the Bible, right? Right. And everybody sort of knows what the Bible is, right? I mean, by now, because of the 2,000 years it's, it's been around and 500 years in English. Right. Okay. So, okay, you say the Bible. Everyone knows what you mean right away. If we said the book, they'd say what book, right? <laughs> right. When we say the Bible, they know what book. And right. Bible means book, okay? Okay. So it's developed this kind of personality that needs no hyphenation. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Now, there are many sects that follow the Bible. And Protestants and Catholics and Orthodox and this and that. There's many, but mm -hmm. they all have the Bible. Right. They don't have an or They don't have a... Uh, the Catholic, Protestant Bible, the Baptist Bible, right. the this Bible, they have a Bible and they look at it differently. Right. So that's what the music should be. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I see what you mean. If you're a Christian, yep. you're making records, you're making rock records. Mm -hmm. Your words happen to be about Christ. That's nice. That's a wonderful thing. If your words were about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, would you be a Wizard of Oz rock? Right. <laughs> You know, like, yeah. why is that being labeled? Right, I got you. What if your words were about, I don't know, the girl you met in high school? Is it the girl in high school rock? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, they label it's everything. Rock. They label it's everything rock. today. And the words you're singing about, just, you yeah. know, it's the truth. Yeah. To, to a Christian, Christianity isn't just a religion. It's simply the truth, like mathematics. Yeah. It's like as it's as mundane as learning the multiplication table. Yeah. It's simply true. Yeah. Nobody sits around all day worshiping the fact that the multiplication table is true. Yeah. Nobody worships the fact that the sun goes down at the end of the day. Right. And comes up the next day. These are facts. Right. That's what Christianity is. Yeah. It's Christ is a fact. Right. It's a truth that requires no being amazed. Mm -hmm. Who's amazed at the multiplication table? Yeah. <laughs> if you really believe it, it's just the truth. Yep. So that's Christianity. And when that when the principles of the man you believe is real become your principles, that's just the way you are. Exactly. Yep. And so you become Christian, which is the word Christian. Right. You become Christ like. Christian. I've heard people say they play guitar in a Hendrixian fashion, <laughs> or they play guitar in a in a, in a Frankian fashion. <laughs> is it like Frank? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so Christian is the word Christian. Fra Frank, I want to mention Christian when you realize that his ways are simply the way to be. Right. <laughs> nothing, nothing amazing about that. <laughs> I want to mention, uh, you know, I know, I know your background, the uh, the Syrian, the Italian, 
you know, which I found out I'm 45% Italian and my ancestors went to Syria, which I didn't, oh, I, I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah, so I maybe we're related, man. <laughs> well, not, not, to, not to sort of make a joke out of it, but we are all related. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sense. For those who believe we all originated from the same place, uh, I, I happen to believe the conspiracy theory that there are certain people among us that may have sprung from a totally different kind of person uh, mm-hmm. 4,000 years ago. Right. But Let me ask you this. when you die say what what happens when you die 
what do I think? Yeah. Nobody can tell you exactly what happens when you die, and if mm -hmm. they tell you that, they're lying to you. Right. I can tell you what we hope happens, and I can tell you what we think happens by reading scripture and saying what we think it means. But I can, what I think happens uh, when you die is that all time is over. Everyone's at the judgment on the day you die. Okay. You, you, you are, yes, being raised up out of your grave for judgment, but it's happening one second after you died. Mm -hmm. All the years have gone by right. between your death and when it happened in a, in a flash. In other words, you, you catch up to the end of time. Hmm. Because one of two things is going to happen if you believe what we believe. You're either going to sleep until you're awoken mm -hmm. at that judgment, which will seem like one second, just like when you go to sleep at night does. Right. Right? Right. And years will have passed. Or you will be there right away because time will mean nothing. Because mm -hmm. time is for humans. So I think that when you die, everybody's there with you. When my sister died at 37 from cancer, I had to lean over and speak into her ear just before she passed. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's okay, Valerie. I'll see you in about 10 seconds. <laughs> huh. So that's what I like to think it sure. is. So because I think that answers questions. Right. You know, it's funny because God says two things about that. And how do you square the circle? Mm -hmm. They both can't they both have to be true if God can't lie. Right. So God writes that you will sleep in your grave until the dead rise at the end, mm -hmm. which means they'll be dead the whole time, right? Right. Now that's gotta be true if he's telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And yet he tells the thief on the cross, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unless I'm right. Yeah. The only way that both can be true is if I'm right mm -hmm. about time mm -hmm. and the perception of time. Right. Yeah. From the thief's perspective, he'll die on that cross and he'll be raised up at the last day, but for him it'll be today. Yeah. Every day is today. Right. Yeah. Next year when it comes is today. Yep. So he tells them, today you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, don't worry, you'll sleep for a while and we'll wake you up in 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. No. So that's why I believe that. Yeah. So death for me is not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a bad thing because death is a bad thing in and of itself. Right. I'm not one of those that thinks, oh, death is just a part of life. It's No, 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 no. Death is, is the purview of the devil. Right. It's right. a bad thing inherently. Mm -hmm. When I say it's not a bad thing, I meant it's not a bad thing to have to go through to get to the good thing because mm -hmm. nobody's going to get there without going through that. Right. As a matter of fact, that's not entirely true. If there really is a judgment when God show, suddenly shows up in the sky, like it says, mm -hmm. ostensibly some people will be alive when that happens. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, 
basically half of them will be good and half of them will be bad. Yeah. So for the good, do you think God will say, wonderful, well done, let me kill you to bring you to me? <laughs> or simply transform them? Right. Truly, I think that the, the, the most fortunate people on earth are going to be those who are alive at the judgment mm -hmm. and are on the right side of things. Sure. For they will be the only people who will not have to go through death. Yeah. Therefore, we pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, and we say, mm -hmm. you know, thy kingdom come. Yep. We're hoping it comes that minute. Mm -hmm. Because if it comes that minute while we're forgiven and in prayer, we get to be those people who don't die. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way I, I look at it. Now, can I tell you that these are things that are supported entirely by scriptural reference? No. There are references to them that I can say, but why would I make that argument? Sure. You only need to make that argument to the people that insist on what we call them sola scriptura people, okay? The people that believe unless you've got it written in scripture, it can't be true. Mm -hmm. They insist on a scripture for everything, right? Mm -hmm. right? And they disqualify anything for which there is no scripture. Right, right. Now I say to those people, if we were to subscribe to that type of thinking, then we would have to disqualify every single Christian before the Gospels were written right. and before Paul's letters were written mm -hmm. and before it got around in the second century. Mm -hmm. Because nobody had scripture between the years 35 and 90. Right. And yet they were very truly Christians yeah. who went to Lyons. They had no scripture. There was no solar scripture. They certainly weren't relying on the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures had yet to be written. So what scripture did they have? Mm -hmm. So do we disqualify them? What they had was tradition. Mm -hmm. And so we have scripture today as a record, a history of God's dealings with men. But we also have tradition. Things that are taught from one to another. Things that are simply known. Things that are revealed by God to people that aren't necessarily exactly in scripture. Yep. So we don't disqualify things like that, but we say, whatever someone brings that kind of idea, we say, what does it, what fruit does it produce? And if it produces good fruit, then it is true. And if it produces bad things, then it is not true. You don't need the scripture to justify right. everything. Frank, I, I love talking to you, man, about all this. You're, uh, you're amazing. It's, it's like talking to Moses. <laughs> no. <laughs> You know, I wish everybody was was as uh, intelligent about religion, well, look, about the I mean, world. If, if, if I could have, if I could have spoken like this when I was learning, right, it might have made a big difference. But that was in the seventies. Yeah, I had many, many people looking at me and listening to me then, but I didn't know how to explain this. Right, I was just starting. Right, and I spent a great deal of my time alone in my dressing room because I wasn't having the parties and I wasn't. Yeah, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, my entire career, and uh, not for religious reasons. I just didn't for other reasons. Yeah, and so who wanted to talk to me? Yeah, nobody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> plus, there was that whole 
Jimi Hendrix thing they thought it was ripping off Jimi Hendrix oh, it yeah. wasn't yeah. but that's how I spent the 70s and most of the time I wasn't involved in, and mm-hmm. that's why I don't have many friends in the music industry like I didn't make all these friends the guys that are my friends now in the music industry became my friends in, after the year 2000 yeah you know and some of them are pretty good guys Zach's a really good guy Yep. And Frank Hannon's a really good guy. From you know, a lot of these guys are good people. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised when you talk to them. Oh, I have. And, uh, a lot of yeah. the metal guys. Yeah. Almost every metal guy I know is a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what? You know when you know a guy's good is you can't tell him apart from the roadies. <laughs> Yeah. They're all hanging around there and you don't know who the road crew is and who the band is. Then you know they're okay. But when you can tell them apart from the roadies and the crew, meh, it's a little weird. You, you know, I was surprised. I had, uh, you know, David Ellison. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth. And, yeah. uh, you know, when I interviewed him, I was expecting, you know, all this everything that you hear about Megadeth and this and that. What a nice guy. What a down-to-earth guy. Just a family man. And, you know, I was, you know, you just never know. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of us like that. Yeah. That's why I kept saying before, you know, we are we are the silent majority, but the problem is we're silent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? That's true. That's the very problem. Yeah. I, I think that the other side invented the term silent majority so that we'd have something to call ourselves so that we'd remain that way. I know. Frank, you know, no. I I tried really hard to get you on Johnny Winter's album. The uh, second one, the uh, I think it was called Step Back. Yeah. And you know they you know who they decided on was Eric Clapton. <laughs> I I'm so you know, I wish I knew that Johnny knew anything about me. Before he died, yeah, I, I, I would have called him up. He's 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 a he's a really nice guy. He's a he's a Christian guy too. You know, he he mentions my name on a little video clip. I heard I'm that. Like, what the hell, Johnny Winter mentioning my name? I he saw could, that. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And Joe Bonamassa, and, uh, he he's a big. You know, I always find out these things at the end of the day. You yeah. Know? How about Bonamassa? I mean, he he learned yeah. a lot from you. But I'm I'm talking about. For me, Johnny Winter, Bonamassa's mm-hmm. after me. Right. They're, he's great. He's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. But Johnny Winter, to me, is, you know, Hendrix, yeah. Winter, yeah. Cipollina. Right. You know, the guys, Santana, the guys I looked up to. Exactly. Imagine Johnny Winter mentioned my name. It'd be like telling you Jimmy <laughs> Hennis mentioned my name, you know? That is cool. And I did all those gigs with Johnny and never said a word to the guy because I was too shy. Really? That's that's. Yeah, I just never said a word to the guy. Pass him in the hallway. Hello, hello, hello. You know, nod your head, type of thing. Huh. Never said a word to the guy, and you know, then I find out that he knew who I was. Yeah, I interviewed Johnny. He's he's, he's a very nice guy. You know, down to earth. Man of few words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man of few words. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, you know, I would have loved to. Uh, because, I mean, there really were only two guys that were the main guys for me. Well, three, really. And it was Hendrix, Winter, and Cipollina. Mm-hmm. So, that, everybody else was, yeah, okay, I like them. Yeah, okay, I like them. But they didn't, you know, those three were like, oh, just let me keep playing the record type of thing, you know? 
You, you know, I you, and, uh, you have to do a remake of Machine Gun because the one on YouTube, the sound is not very good. And, yeah. and and that's one of my favorite Hendrix tunes, and you do it very, very well. And I think if you've got me doing Machine Gun on YouTube, it's from the earliest 70s. It is. It's not a good quality at all. No, it's got to be like when I was about 17 years old. Yeah, it's it's the quality's horrible. And I love that song, and you do it well. Well, I try, you know, now when I do a Hendrix tune, mm-hmm. like on the DVD, I do it in a way like I think... Here's how Hendrix might do it now. Right. You know, like that's how I do it. And um, I think that's probably the best way to honor the guy, you yeah. know, is not to do it my way. You know, some people want to do it their way. I don't agree with that, with appropriating, especially a genius like Hendrix, mm-hmm. appropriating his work and saying, here's my way of doing Hendrix. Right. And I don't agree with that. Right. Um, I believe that what you do is you take his tune and you say, here's how he might do it now. That's, in my opinion. So if we, you know, we've got Mozart and Beethoven and all these other great men that wrote these things and we have orchestras do it, but we don't change them. Well, I think... We interpret, but we don't change what Mozart wrote down or Beethoven wrote down. Yeah, exactly. I think you do Hendrix the best, I mean, with your interpretation. <clears throat> well, it's really based on how would he do it now. Yeah. In a sense, it's like what an actor would do if he was playing his part in a movie. Mm-hmm. No actor is going to play the part of, let's say, Jesus or Jimi Hendrix or whomever, but put their own spin on it and be what the guy wasn't. Right. We're going to try to be what the guy was. Mm-hmm. That's why they get the Academy Award. Exactly. For, for becoming that thing, not for becoming some other guy that they wish the guy was. Yeah. So the idea now that they're going to take uh, James Bond and make James Bond a, a woman and, you know, change things up, but stories like that, I don't know if you heard these stories, but I did. In a way, it's laughable because mm-hmm. it's like, well, what? just call it something else. Yeah, we'll exactly. Call it James Bond. Right. You know what I mean? You're right. This could still be a great story, but why? Why are you taking what what is and you know? You know you, what it isn't. You know what I don't get. They gave you a lot of crap in the beginning for doing Hendrix, right? Oh, and, and, it never and, stopped. And Even then, until today, I get those same people if they're of that age. They still do it. Well, what about Stevie Ray Vaughan? He did it too, and they didn't give him the crap. I know. I know. And <laughs> so did Robin, and so did Randy, and. And now everybody. And now everybody. So now it's, you know, <laughs> but look, what are you going to do? I was the first guy through the door. Yep. That's who gets the nose broken. Yeah. It's a shame. You no, know, I was the first guy. I didn't know what I was doing. Right. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I didn't say, I'm going to do Jimi Hendrix and go through the door and become famous at it. Right, right. I just was playing guitar the way I thought it's supposed to be played. Exactly. I, I thought that's how you played. Yep. And, and and it brought me all that grief for all those years. It's amazing. I mean, I was, and magazines hated me. Uh, and you go back and you look at some of the things they said, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, they, they really gave me the business. Yeah. To the point where I stopped reading them, and to this day, I have no idea. If you ask me, what is the reaction to my DVD or my records right now online, I tell you I have no idea. Mm-hmm. 
because I don't read it. I have no idea. I don't know if anyone likes it or doesn't like it. All you, all you got to do is go to YouTube and, and uh, or the comments. I don't do that. The message boards. And you I know? don't read Facebook. Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I haven't been in the message board for almost a year and a half. Right. I'm so removed at this moment. I don't know. People are telling me, oh, Mike, you know, people love the DVD. There's not a bad comment, blah, blah, blah. I'm going, really? 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 Oh, good. I'm happy about that. I'm, of course I'm happy about it. All right, Frank. Which is great. Frank, I'm I don't want to go read it because I, I long ago right. taught myself just not to go read things because it was always bad. All right. It hurt, it hurt me. It always ruined my day. Frank, I'm going to embarrass you right now, okay? Yeah. Just just listen for a minute. These, these are comments from your fans, all right? If this was the only song in the world to listen to, now this is about the song, my favorite song. Um, it's a, I would still be very happy to have this one song to listen to. Okay. Uh, let's see. Frank Marino, something's coming our way. Uh, okay. Now, Dragonfly criminally ignored greatness. I want my whole life to be how this song sounds. Uh, Marino rules. We are in the presence of greatness. For those who never smoked a joint and drove around listening to Frank on A-Track, you missed a great part of life growing up. The sounds of th this man pulls out of his guitar takes me to places nobody else sends me to. Nobody. Once you hear Frank Marino, you will never forget that sound. It, I mean, this, this goes on and on. I don't see one bad comment. <laughs> well, it is embarrassing. <laughs> You know, you can stop now. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I found out about myself when I was editing this DVD, writing it, and I never knew this. Imagine, I only found this out in the last few years. <clears throat> so, w when the DVD, remember I told you I had to move some of the pictures, and yeah. redo some of the picture, and I had to shorten things up, because on the DVD, one song goes right to the next. But in, at the show, there was sometimes time between these songs where we tuned up or we tuned the guitars or something, right? Right. So I pulled, you had to, I had to pull all those blocks out and shorten up, you know, put the songs back together closer to one another, right? Right. So when I did that, when you do that, you end up cutting into the crowd overlay, right? So now you've got the crowd that... The song ends, the crowd starts to clap, and then because I brought the next song forward from a minute, all of a sudden the crowd is chopped off, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to go find the crowd that overlays that place from the real crowd. I have to go get Jeez. crowd noise from the actual song and Very overlay difficult. it Very over difficult. the cut. Yeah. So as I went to do that, I went back to get it, and I went, oh, wait a minute, I can't use that one, I'm tuning, mm -hmm. right? I start tuning my guitar, oh, no, I can't do that. So I went to another one. Well, I couldn't find one where I wasn't immediately tuning. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean immediately, song ends, bang, people cheer, bang, I start going, and what ends up happening is when you start tuning like that, people think you're going to play, so they, and then you're tuning loud. They stop, they stop cheering. They die down, right? Mm -hmm. 
on the spot every once in a while and read some comments. <laughs> from a guy who's performed in front of 300,000 people. I mean, I... I... <laughs> That's funny. 
Yeah, I, I got to tell you, you know, you know what I found out? Uh, Tommy Bolin was Syrian. Oh, really? Yeah. I talked to his brother, Johnny, and his mother was Syrian. And they grew up with all the uh, Syrian de delicacies. And they, her, yeah, the like we do. Yeah, the, the mother talked uh, Arabic in the house. I, I never yeah, knew that. Just like we did. Yeah, yeah, just like we did. Yep. Tommy Bolin. Didn't know that. Yeah, being Syrian and Italian, you know, and, and like my mother's full Syrian, my father's full Sicilian Italian. Right. You know, so the two cultures, uh, there's nothing about my personal culture now that's anything but an amalgamation of those two. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, in our house, it wasn't like in some houses when a woman marries a man and they're from two cultures, they end up being the culture of either the woman or the man. Right, right. right? One succumbs to the other. Right. Usually. In ours, it didn't. It was 50-50. Yeah, me too. So my mother, yeah. of course, made all the Syrian foods and mm -hmm. all the, you know, the whole Arabic thing. Sure. But she also made all the Italian stuff that my father did. And my father also was into her culture, too. So... Mm -hmm. The two cultures were really intertwined in terms of the food we ate, the prayers, whatever we did, mm -hmm. and the type of music that they would listen to. Yep. You know, my father liked music that was very much like what you'd see on, uh, you know, Goodfellas or, or, you know, those those mob movies. Oh, yeah. And Natra and Tony Bennett and mm -hmm. all that stuff. You Mario Alonso. Yeah. But my mother liked that, too, because yep. she and my father were jitterbug contest winners when they were young. When oh, they cool. Met. Yeah, that's you cool. go do the jitterbug and win contests, the yeah. contests. See, I, so we, I was just like you. Culture. And then my yeah. mother's culture was the Byzantine chanting of the Orthodox Church. Right. And, uh, you know, they had, they had bishops in her family, and it was very religious. And, mm -hmm. uh Going back, like, one of the bishops of my mother's side uh, was the um, the tutor of the Tsar of Russia's children, the, the Romanovs that were killed uh, in their basement. Oh, yeah. Ministry. Yeah. That was their tutor. That was a bishop directly related to my grandmother. Wow. Like, great-grand, you know, great-great-great-grandmother. So, we had that culture, and we had... The food and the oh, Arabic the food. music, which is very, oh my god, with some Western music, Italian and Syrian food. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so you put it together and yeah. you get a really nice. You know, I was very lucky to have that. Yep. Me and my brothers and sisters, we were very lucky to have grown up in yep. in that kind of culture that was so rich in everything. Exactly. You know, it wasn't it wasn't devoid of anything and them as people, they were very open. Mm -hmm. Our house was a Grand Central Station, you know, like everyone was always over at the mm -hmm. house. Right. Kids, friends, everybody was like, the door was open to everybody. So every day was us plus another five people, hmm. you know? That's what that culture is like, both exactly. sides. Yeah. In French, we say joie de vivre, you know, mm -hmm. the joy of life. That's right, you know French too because you're in Canada. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. yeah. And all the languages, you know, Arabic mm -hmm. and Sicilian and Italian and the dialects and French yeah. and English. Uh, you just feel in that kind of culture that we grew up in, mm -hmm. you just feel that anybody that doesn't have that is kind of 
you feel sorry for it. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they only get to eat roast beef or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so they'd come over and we, and to this day, my wife too, who's also half Italian, you know, like, when people are here, we have the same thing in our house now. Anybody can come over. Everybody's usually here. I love here. it. And we we're always making ridiculous meals, and they think that we're making them as a special thing for them coming <laughs> over, but it's just what we do every day. My, you know, my. to have cannelloni or osobuco or, right. or, or uh, yadra or kippi or any of those foods that we have every day. Yeah. They think, oh, you made a real spread. <laughs> Thank you very much. You know, but that's just what we eat. <laughs> My my favorite movie is my big fat Greek wedding because that's exactly yeah. the the feel of the family. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's uh, the joie de vivre feel, you know. And by the way, Frank Zappa was also Syrian. That's uh, right. Yeah. yeah, that's right, Frank Zappa. Yeah, yeah. Frank, you have any uh, parting words for our show today? No, I mean, you know, just go with God. You know, I just, I, I hope that. Look, you know, we're in a dark time. I don't want to be, belabor the point. Uh, the devil's having his day, mm -hmm. but that's been written, you yeah, know, to be exactly. expected. And in the end times, he will prowl around like a roaring lion because he'll know that his time is short. Sure. Yeah. That's, you know, that's from the Bible, from Jesus, you know, so... This is with all this is to be expected. Mm -hmm. What can we do? Yeah, we make our lives around us as good as we can, which right. is why I'm trying to move. You know, hopefully, it works out. We'll go, go to where it's good. Right, positive. Go to where it's good. Right, and we've got to stop. We've got to stop dwelling on the bad. Yep, that's what. The other side wants us to do, and I don't just mean the other side politically, I mean the devil. Yep. We've got to stop dwelling on the bad. Look at, we've got to look at the good where we can get it and mm -hmm. be thankful for it. I agree. That's the key. Yep. You know? Positivity. They, they don't want us to do that. Yep. So just say no. Mm hmm. When people tell you, what you can't do and, and you know that it's your right to do. Just say, Just say no. don't say screw you or, mm -hmm. you know, say, oh, no, thank you. Right. No, thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to do what I'm doing. Thank I you agree. very much. It's the best way. Why start a fight? You no, know, when the cops want to give people, they're giving $6,000 tickets to people who are out after curfew. Oh, jeez. That's crazy. But they know that none of those will ever get to court. That's nuts. <clears throat> because they'd never win in court. But they're giving them. Yep. So I tell people, if you're out there and they tell you're giving you your $6,000 ticket, say, thank you very much for giving me nothing. Yeah, don't pay it. Rip it up. Yeah, you know, like, thank you. Okay, we'll see it in court. No problem, because I'll never get there. This is all a big ploy. I know. Frank, if you and, need... Um, if you... I just say people should just be free. Yep. Insist on being free. And if it if it, if it if it's your thing that you want to say no 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 I'm gonna hide in my house from it by all means go ahead right not telling you not to by all means go ahead more power to you good on you Frank if you need any help moving to Florida let me know man yeah well hope uh, you know if I land there if yeah. I end up there 
If you need help, if you need help scoping out areas or things like that, I'll send you some information. Whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I hope I haven't said things that are going to make people mad at you. No, I don't think so. I, you know, I'm like you. I I pay for these shows, and it's it's all me. I'm I'm doing this for the love of music. Nobody can right. fire me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know. And I I enjoy what I'm doing, and that's the main thing. Well, God bless everyone. You too, Frank. And, uh, My best to no, the family. I, I just hope everything is, goes right for everyone. Me I, too. I, I personally am fighting with a little bit of a health thing right now. Uh-oh. Hopefully it'll go away. Right. We'll see what happens. Well, but, uh, you take, know, take care of yourself. We'll see what happens. All right, man. Take care of yourself, and God bless you, and... Uh, We'll talk again soon, all right? All right, Frank. All right, Frank. Ciao. Ciao, baby. Purchase Frank Marino live at the Agora Theater, the DVD. It is awesome. You can buy that at www.mahoganyrush.com. The epic six-hour live performance is now available and presented in an elegant box set, which includes both the Blu-ray and DVD formats in each box. You'll receive four region-free discs, one Blu-ray, a 1080 HD disc in its own separate case, and a three DVD, four ADSD set in its own separate case, a 180-page book that delivers an in-depth chronicle of his journey from his early beginnings right up to the performance, as well as being filled with pictures that span Frank Marino's career. The last 20 chapters are written by Frank Marino in his own words and invite the reader to share intimate details about Frank's experiences, the making of this project, his personal feelings, and his outlook on his life and career. You have a front row seat to witness the awe-inspiring man himself in the highest quality picture and sound as never seen before. While he delivers an incredible 58 tracks, many of which were rarely, if ever, played live. For more information about Frank Marino, visit www.mahoganyrush.com. That's the official website. He's also on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash official Frank Marino. Very special thanks to the dynamic duo of Doug and Don Newsom with BBS Radio TV for making the magic happen for each and every broadcast of Interviewing the Legends. If you have a comment or a suggestion for the show, you can always contact me at interviewingthelegends at gmail.com. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Interviewing the Legends with Ray Shasho for the very latest interviews right into your inbox. Ladies and gentlemen, it's real news. And, of course, my new book, which is finally out, called The Rockstar Chronicles. It's Series 1, Series 1 out of possibly 4. And it chronicles truths, confessions, and wisdom from the music legends that set us all free. You can order yours today on the Collector's Edition hardcover or ebook at bookbaby.com and amazon.com. It features over 45 intimate conversations with some of the greatest rock legends the world will ever know. Literary Titan gave it five stars. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Peace and love. And take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. Thank you, everybody, for listening to 
Interviewing the Legends. Brought to you by the Publicity Works Agency. Call 941-877-1552 or visit us at publicityworksagency.com. Specializing in author and music artist publicity plans. We shine when we make you shine. Tune in to Interviewing the Legends every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Time on BBS Radio, Station One.